0: Everyone, and welcome to our second episode of Revenue on the Rocks. So, after our first episode, we asked some friends and some advisors of ours, you know, what would they want to hear about for our second episode? And some of you may know, some of you may not. Nevada recently launched public facing pricing in January. But when I asked a lot of people, you know, what do you want to hear about, especially things that we have kind of specific insights into, a few of them said they'd love to hear about pricing and sort of how we got to that decision. They've said they've worked with a lot of other companies that are in similar positions, debating going public facing or not, and really wanted to hear the specifics of how we came to that outcome, what the process was like. And so that's what today's conversation is going to be about. We're going to take you through basically the very long journey of how did we go from first talking about public facing pricing to now where we are today, a month after releasing it. But before we dive into that stuff, Ben, what you drinking today?
1: Yeah, Natalie, unfortunately, I'm not really spicing it up a whole lot since last week, last when we did this. I'm still working through, actually, actually I think last time it was Bud Light. Today, it is Coors Light, so just crossing all the lights off the list, but nothing spectacular. How about you?
0: I am drinking, again, another Cabernet, which I promised myself I was going to drink a different type of red wine this time and did not go to the store. But it's my staple. It's Josh Cab Sab, if you've had it. It's, It's like a very good $20 less wine. Not too sweet, not too heavy. Recommend it. Not sponsored by Josh, but who knows? Maybe one day.
1: Next time we do this, I get to choose your drink, and you get to choose mine, and we'll uh, we'll kind of try it out together. How about that?
0: That's a fun idea. I'm a little scared, but I'm I'm down. Besides, just you know, figuring out what Ben's drinking this time. I'm so excited for this episode. As Ben knows what we're gonna dive into. I don't think I shut up about public facing pricing since the second I joined Nevatic. I think just our overall mindset was, you know, we are. In the PLG space, we sell to PLG companies, and we kind of know that that's a fundamental part of being PLG. That being said, I think it's really easy for me as the marketers to sit back and say, of course, we should have this. This is so easy, but it really affects every part of the business and some more than others. So I'm excited for people to hear Ben's perspective of you know why maybe sales teams are sometimes hesitant or why it is a big decision. And how, again, we got to where we are today.
1: Yeah. And Natalie, to your point, I think what I'm really excited about is it does exemplify the overall topic of this podcast, which is working closely with marketing and sales. And ultimately, this was a probably the biggest decision we have made together and a good example of maybe us disagreeing on the topic and and how we worked together to to come to like a happy medium where we're both, I think, in a good place with it. So it should be a good example of the overall theme of, of working closely with sales and marketing.
0: So Ben, diving into it, why are sales teams and CEOs so scared to do public facing pricing?
1: When I was thinking about this question, tying it back to Nevada specifically, I think the co-founders and myself were in the same boat of we do not want public facing pricing. And it was kind of this battle that we are waging. Honestly, against you, Natalie was pushing forward on the marketing side. And I think for, for most SaaS companies and especially for startups, like all the startups who are listening to this right now, I think you're gonna start nodding your head, is a lot of what we're doing is trying to figure out where we fit in the market. And I don't mean necessarily ICP. I mean, who are we selling to? Are we selling to startups? Are we selling enterprises? Everyone's trying to move up market. That goes without saying. So I think a big concern we had is how can we present a public pricing page that we feel confident in that speaks to everybody and kind of makes nobody feel left out? That was a big concern for us is, well, let's build this beautiful pricing page. But now if I'm a startup, I'm going to be afraid that looks way too expensive or you know, Hey, maybe this is a little bit too startup focused. Is that going to scare away some enterprises? And so it was really just the battle of, of running in circles, worried about, we are, are we creating a pricing page that will speak to everybody individually? The last thing I will say too, and a huge part of our pricing conversation, I would say is talk to a lot of advisors, talk to a lot of people who have done it, trust your gut and understand that pricing is nuanced. It'd be really easy if every single software was like a slack or a CRM where it's cut and dry. It's per license. Very, very simple. That's just not the world we live in and that's not true. So take everybody's advice a little bit with a grain of salt because everyone's going to come with you at ideas of like, why haven't you done this yet? Or it really is just this simple, but understand that every pricing package is a little bit nuanced. So you kind of know what that means for you and your team.
0: And I think that was kind of part of the fear too, was the fact that it's nuanced and we felt like we had to choose this perfect pricing strategy and, have it exactly match, you know, what others are doing in the space or make sure it hundred percent was all fleshed out versus I think we have to think of pricing a little bit more as an ongoing entity. And that's hard because obviously you want to be fair and just to your customers. And you want to be careful not just changing it up on them randomly. But the best companies I've seen, the best SaaS companies are constantly experimenting with pricing to get to the best plan. You kind of can't get there without getting some feedback.
1: Also think about it, and this is a tip from a full circle perspective, this was usually my pushback from advisors or either other people in our team who were like, why don't we just put pricing on our website? It's that simple. And a huge part of this as well that people don't think about is the impl- implications it has from a product perspective and from a billing perspective. Is your product in a, in, in a place where you can handle upsell, different license models? You know, How is your billing team or finance team going to be able to track all of this? So. Do keep in mind that the pricing conversation does involve product and operations just as much as it does sort of sales and marketing.
0: That's such a great point because we had some conversations where we came up with different pricing models and we realized, oh, that's gonna take us six months to implement because it's a lot of complex product tracking that needs to be done. I think it's important to remember, again, it does not have to be perfect to get to something because maybe the ideal pricing model you're not ready for v1 but just by putting something out there and that's how you can eliminate some of this fear it's like let's just get put something out and get feedback and then hopefully that will support what we think is ultimately a better model and we'll get that feedback versus just assuming that this is the best model I think that's also hard like everyone's very opinionated about pricing and really we all none of us know like we all have ideas we all have gut feelings but really only the market knows what they want
1: I agree. And I think another tip and trick is we had a lot of meetings about pricing. And what we wanted to do is like, hey, we're a flat organization. We want to get everybody involved. Everybody has a say, which is true. And that is the process that we went through. But eventually you do have to sort of narrow it down and say, all right, these three or four people are going to get in a room and take all of the feedback and input that we have received, both internally and externally, and ultimately make a decision around what plan makes the most sense. What can we implement right away? I think we, a little bit, had maybe too many cooks in the kitchen at first, and it really slowed things down. Too many thoughts, too many ideas. Eventually, you do have to sort of have that champion or small group internally who will make that final call. Otherwise, trying to get 13 people on the same page is is a lot more difficult than, hey, here are the three people who are really going to make the final say.
0: That feeds in super well to the tip I had written down for this was that you need someone also to collect the data up front and after you need someone who is going to look into the data both quantitative and qualitative to make a case for public-facing pricing because it can't just be on your gut intuition so very tactically what we did is we have this on our book a demo field we have please share anything that you would help prepare us for today's meeting and we looked at the numbers and 15 percent of those stated that they just wanted something related to pricing sometimes it was literally just pricing tell us your price what is your price And that in combination with some very qualitative data, I point out that I'd have marketers reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, what's your pricing? I'm evaluating, but I'm kind of scared it's too high because I see some of your logos. So I combined those two aspects, the quantitative of 15% and then some qualitative stories of people literally reaching out to me. And that's sort of how we got the ball rolling. And it helped because, again, it was not just my opinion. Then we had some data behind it. And I
1: definitely think <clears throat> natalie that's something that we have seen and felt on the sales side ever since putting pricing on our website i'm not going to say it's creating higher quality buyers but it does sort of reduce one of the objections or maybe whatever you want to call it that we used to have to have in that sales conversation because maybe they loved the nevatic demo maybe they loved conceptually and then we get to the end of the call where we talk about pricing and maybe it's a good fit to home run and maybe it's like a, oh, geez, I really wish I would have known that, like it would have saved me and you some time. So by putting pricing on the website, it really, really helps on the sales side because nine times out of 10, they've already seen it. They're still gonna have some questions about it and it's good to have that that conversation. But ultimately, if they've seen the pricing, they've booked the meeting, it means it likely is within their budget and that's just good for us.
0: I wanna dive more into results in a little bit, but before we get into that, I think it's important to talk about what was the tipping point from leadership saying, no i'm not interested in pricing to okay let's have this conversation because as ben as you alluded to this was something i didn't shut up about for a while but i think one thing that's really important is also i pitched this in like august and there was clear pushback from the rest of the leadership team and i had to take a moment back and say okay clearly we are not ready for this yet but would love to hear from your perspective like what was that tipping point
1: i was certainly one of the people internally who was pounding the table for I don't want pricing on the website just yet i really really don't and there's a ton of reasons behind that but ultimately what i would say is if you are somebody in a leadership position at a company and you think this is the right idea first and foremost like be a champion of that natalie you were pounding the table relentlessly for pricing on the website and every team leads meeting. it's all you talked about in our one-on-ones it was driving me nuts like we we went 12 rounds on on pricing on the website and so i think your persistence is obviously very important and You know, if you are somebody at a company that doesn't have this on your website just yet and you do feel very strong about it, tip number one, don't give up. Continue pushing people internally. I think the breaking point for me, though, was imagine you worked at a company and you had prospects telling you all day long that they needed feature ABC. That's what you heard on 15% of the calls, Natalie, like you mentioned. You're hearing it all the time and you've refused to build it. Well, that was effectively what pricing was for us. We heard it on every single call. Why don't you guys have pricing on your website? Every webinar we did. Hey, you're a PLG company. Why don't you have pricing on your website? Our prospects were craving it and dying for it. So eventually it was a decision we made, even though we didn't feel like we were ready for it, we decided as a company to trust our prospects. It was the number one thing they were asking for. So let's give them what we want. And even if we aren't 100% confident in it, we are confident that it will help because it's what our prospects are asking for. So- if you look at it through the lens of giving a prospect what the number one thing they're asking for, it's pretty much a no-brainer for sales. The second piece I'd say, too, is it's a tremendous competitive advantage if you can be first. And if you think that isn't a competitive edge in sales, like you're completely wrong. If, if somebody can pull up our website and a competitor and see everything they need to learn, customer testimonials and interactive demo and pricing versus our competitor that might only have one or two of those things, that does make a difference. And we hear that on calls. People tell us, it's great. I was able to go on your website, click around, read a customer testimonial, see pricing. And now I just have a few pointed questions for you, Ben. So it really is a competitive advantage for sales leaders as well.
0: I don't think people think of enough of how just a good buying experience changes a prospect's mindset and attitude. Like going into a call, getting all the information you want up front going into the call in a good mood, you trust the company, you have a positive association with them versus feeling like the company's hiding things from you, feel like you're digging for information. No matter what, you're going to have a little bit positive bias and throughout the I think that carries throughout the entire sales cycle. And so, I really think people only think about pricing from a competitive detriment, like how will this hurt us mm. in competitors versus how could this make us stand out. So, that's a great point to bring up.
1: Yeah, if you sell in a competitive market, which at this point Every SaaS company has a very competitive market. Yes, your product is incredibly important, being cutting edge, coming out with new features, but having an amazing sales process will definitely help you win deals. And a large part of that is being as transparent upfront as you can, providing them the self-serve resources that they need, pricing, videos, interactive demos, testimonies, whatever that may be. Um, By far, I would say that's one of my biggest learnings that I've had is that the sales process and the buying experience is a huge factor in decision-making.
0: And I did want to take a step back to when you're talking about the pricing decision. I think what is really important to note is we didn't talk about it or really explore it as a leadership team until Ben and I were aligned on it. And so kind of back to the theme of this whole podcast, getting that alignment with your sales leader, because we had a good relationship, we could have open conversations about it. We could talk about when the timing makes sense and get more comfortable towards it. And that is why it's so important to have this relationship, because then by the time we brought it up in our leadership meeting, it was not Natalie against the world. It was go to market, having a firm stance together, and here's why. And Ben and I already prepped all of our reasons why and talked about it.
1: Natalie, when I think about it, if, if you had presented it and been pounding the table for it without buy-in for, from my end, you know, I think one of the very first things that leadership would have done is say, Ben, what do you think? You know, we need your affirmation on this as well and your confirmation on this and validation. And if I would have been like, no, I'm not into it, then leadership would have been like, no, we can't do this. We only have 50% of the marketing team.
0: As a marketer, it might be a little frustrating to hear that, right? It's like, why do we need sales approval to do something if we know it's the right decision for our prospects? But I think it's also really important to remember, like pricing affects them the most. Like they are the ones that's going to change their sales cycle. It's going to change potentially their one win rate. It's going to change revenue, their quotas. Like for me, it's easy to sit on my pedestal and say, we need this because we need to have better experience for our buyers. But imagine if another department was trying to change something that would affect your metrics as a marketer.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, Natalie, to be totally transparent, I think the big turning point for me was initially, I was wondering if putting pricing on the website was more marketing focused and like marketing being selfish around you are on a million podcasts and webinars. And one of the very first questions you had to address is cool. Nevada PLG. I love it. Wait, why don't you have pricing on your website? And so I knew it was annoying for you, but I think when we finally had alignment on what Natalie is pitching and proposing is the same thing that our prospects are harping for That's when it was like the aha moment for me around Natalie was right the whole time, but it took validation from my prospects to echo what you were saying for me to really buy into it so again it gets back to that sales and marketing relationship around bridging that gap a little bit i guess it's like that age-old adage where like your parents tell you to do something over and over again but you don't actually hear it until somebody else tells you to do it kind of thing that's kind of what it was like for me
0: that perfectly ties into the tip i was going to bring which before i talked about data like yeah put a video together of this a bunch of prospects asking about pricing or highlight it or other people saying it, don't just have it be your opinion marketing. Like make sure there's third party voices validating it. Cause again, from Ben's perspective, it's it's easy to say, oh well, selfishly as a marketer, I want to be on the top trends and I want to make sure people think my company is following the cool marketing rules <laughs> when that's not really an always a great business case versus, okay, here's clips of our prospects asking for it. Here's a maybe here's a deal that we did give pricing to a little more upfront and look how well it went. Like Use third-party information.
1: And marketers, speak your salespeople's language. Like, hey, Ben, like, what if, like imagine a world where Novatic is the only interactive demo provider that has true transparent publicly facing pricing. Do you think that'd be really like competitive edge? I think I would have been like, oh, like, yeah, that's a really good idea. Like, I don't know if we can around this. But find ways to speak salespeople's language if you aren't getting through right away. Because perhaps what you're saying in your initial messaging, they might be digesting as like, that's for marketing that's marketing vernacular like I don't care about that find a way to deliver it in a way that's gonna like get your sales pumped up about it
0: first thing I was last week checking the like explicit box for this when signing us up for Apple and Spotify and I was like I don't I don't know what we fall under I so I think as long as I check that we can swear <laughs> but more importantly to the tip I think that's such beyond just pricing that is such an amazing tip that I don't think marketers think about enough. And I think that expands beyond just marketing and sales. Like any department, learn their language, learn what they care about. Really tying back to episode number one, why you need to understand the person, not just like the department, but like really get to know them. Because if you can tie it back to something they care about or a metric they're working on or a goal, they're a lot more likely to listen than just, again, hey, pricing is the cool thing to do right now.
1: And salespeople, same thing with marketers, right? Like when you're addressing something or bringing something up, maybe don't necessarily tie it back to revenue, tie it back to brand. For example like this is how this could help our brand this is how this will help our prospects this is blah 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 like using some of that stuff that again gets marketers excited it's pretty basic but i think that that'll certainly help
0: it's funny it's basic but so often those are the type of small things you can do that make the biggest impacts
1: yeah definitely at some point we're gonna have to have a conversation about the ongoing battle we're having right now natalie maybe we can like air this out live around our drip campaign conversation is sort of like a a battle that you and I are completely on opposite sides of. And we have conversations about in our one-on-one and maybe it's a good example of how like we can work through that together. So maybe a conversation for another time.
0: I had no idea what you're going to say to that. And at first I was really scared. I was like, are we in a fight about something that I don't know,
1: Ben? (laughs) But then when I said it, you're like, oh yeah, we are in a fight about that. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll do that in another episode about my feelings on email marketing. If anyone knows I'm, I'm not the biggest fan but we'll, we'll save that for another episode In the meantime let me know what you think about drip campaigns. Let me know what you think and maybe you'll help us resolve our current fight. Okay back to pricing So we alluded to this a little bit we got people excited but the big reveal how has the sales cycle changed It's been almost exactly a month now so enough time to kind of see some longer term effects.
1: Yeah the initial thing I wrote down for this was it really hasn't come up a whole lot has come up a lot less than I thought it would, which again is a good example of, we listened to our prospects, we gave them what they wanted, pricing on the website. We were terrified. We were running in circles of all the different things that might come out of their mouths. And then come to find out, there aren't a lot of questions about it. It's pretty straightforward. It seems to be very helpful. It doesn't come up as much. When it does come up, they are a lot more productive conversations and you're not starting from square one. You're halfway through the pricing conversation versus here's what it costs. Now let's talk about some options here. So overall, I'd say it's been very, very successful. No news is good news. It certainly comes up less than I would have anticipated. And I'm very happy that we did it.
0: So on the marketing lead perspective, because I will admit, like as much as I was singing the praises of public facing pricing, the day we did it, I still had a huge fear of, oh my God, our leads about to tank? Like, are we going to see a huge drop off? Am I completely wrong? Like I was definitely panicking that day. And the good news is, similar to sales, they really did not change much. There was, I'd say even directly after, there was some increase. There was a lot of other things going on, so it's hard to say it was just that. I have been measuring the website conversion rate across the board, and we have seen an increase since releasing public-facing pricing. But it was almost more reassuring to be like, okay, nothing really changed much, so our pricing is aligned with what people are thinking.
1: It's also an easier conversation on the sales side. If we have pricing on our website, it's not like, hey, how'd you come up with that number? You know, because in in the past, it's like, hey, what does Nevada cost? I'm like, hey, this is what Nevada costs. And then they would, you know, it kind of opens you up a little bit to like, why is that the case? Is that the only thing that you offer? And now I can just pull up our pricing page on our website and say, this is what, you know, our two tiers. This is where your team would fall into. Here's everything it it includes, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's actually much easier to deliver the pricing conversation. And I think, It comes from a place that is much more genuine, transparent, and trustworthy versus, I wonder where Ben just came up with that number from, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think we've all been in a situation where we've been a prospect and we've been quoted a number, and you're kind of like, I don't fully understand that. Or it's like, well, you have two licenses, but you have three integrations, and then you have like, five beating hearts so that's going to be your soul and you're like how did you come up with yeah. that <laughs> like <laughs> I don't understand where those and they'll send you like a follow-up after I've the breakdown of pricing you're like I still can't like I'm not a mathematician I still can't follow this so I think it really does just make it so much easier to say upfront I understand what I'm getting myself into and why and just feels less like you're being swindled when you know there's an official policy around it versus we just pull the number out of thin air
1: yeah certainly again what I would always say is One of my biggest pet peeves on, I would say like LinkedIn broadly and Natalie knows this is people painting with a broad brush. I get it. Software is priced in different ways, right? It's very easy from like a per license. You can do a flat rate model like Novatic does. If you're an enterprise level company, it cannot be as easy and transparent as what we offer. Like take everything we're saying with a grain of salt, but ultimately think about the best way that your prospects would like to ingest pricing. And similar to your product, I would say the earlier you can get that in front of them, the better. So that is to say, you know it, pricing on the website might not be for everybody we, we fully understand that um but i would say the earlier and more clear that you can present pricing certainly the better
0: definitely 100 percent. i think as we talked about too many people are too definitive also like go with your gut and your prospects you know you, like ultimately if your prospects aren't banging the door for pricing then it means you might have enough the appropriate point for us it just as we said kind of became obvious and I think it's also really important when you make these decisions, when you meet as a leadership team, that you don't just do something like this and let it sit. You also have to make sure you're following up with it. So my big tip for this section was all around, make sure if you do release public facing pricing, that you do have some sort of dashboard or you have metrics that you're trying to hit. As a leadership team, you've aligned on okay, what do we want to get out of this? And you're measuring and giving updates. Because, I mean, as Ben said, I put myself a little bit on the line by not shutting up about pricing. And we have just a notion doc with a public facing dashboard. It shows how did it affect things like website conversion rate, sales cycle length, ACV, in quarter deal rate throughout the entire funnel. So people can see, okay, did this make a difference and where?
1: And ultimately keep in mind, like everything else, especially for like the first time you're doing it or if you're a startup, it's a test. It's a V1. I think my biggest takeaway from putting pricing on the website is we were arguing debating and stressing until the cows come home about what the reaction of the market would be guess what there really wasn't one we were overthinking it not as big of a deal as we made it out to be ultimately we're not trying to answer every single question around pricing we're trying to give everyone sort of a baseline because that's what they asked for but ultimately it is still the job of the sales team to deliver a phenomenal experience and and offer any insights or questions that they may have about it so it doesn't have to be perfect It's not going to be as groundbreaking as it seems to you and ultimately it is something you can iterate on very quickly
0: i think that is such an important takeaway for all of this is that you know it's not going to be perfect right like you're not going to think of the perfect pricing plan ben can attest like the week of (laughs) leading up to making the decision we had so many side conversations meetings meetings about side conversations like we weren't getting any work done because we all just were trying to think of our own perfect pricing plan and I have to give full credit to Ben. I think you just, every conversation, you're like, we're not going to think of the perfect pricing plan. Like, we're not all going to be happy with this. That being said, come up with something that everyone's a little happy about. Like, where we landed, no one hated it. <laughs> which I know maybe is not the best metric you might want to say. Let's land on something that everyone loves. But that's just not realistic. It's a lot of different departments with a lot of different goals. You just need to have something that you feel comfortable with. You know your prospects will align with and that no one
1: hates. I think there's just so much pressure, especially for startups, right? Like you look on LinkedIn, you look at other companies' websites, their pricing pages, you're hearing from everybody, you have to do this, you have to do that. So you want to nail it. You feel like it has to be perfect. But I'm like here to tell you, if you're you're sort of struggling with some sort of decision in that realm, it does not have to be. Put yourself out there, understand it's a test, track it very diligently, like Natalie mentioned, and see what your prospects are saying. I think
0: that's, that's a great way to end today. I think that's the perfect, just summarized the whole podcast perfectly. So, with that, Ben, any final thoughts on pricing, go to market, how your week's going, how you're excited to see each other in person next week?
1: Yeah, B2BMX in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, my backyard, the Valley of the Sun. Really looking forward to it. I've never had a martini in my life. It's not really my speed, but Natalie's been hounding me to drink one. So, I, I imagine I will be trying that for the first time next week.
0: There's a part of me that wanted to film one of these live when we're there after maybe a martini or two so maybe that will happen but don't get too excited because there's a good chance we'll forget slash it would not be a good episode but maybe so stay tuned might have a secret episode coming probably not but we definitely will have episodes every two weeks let us know if there are any topics you want us to cover if you want to hear what ben and i are fighting about more or maybe things that you're working through and just any feedback you have obviously we're still new to this all, so always improving nothing's perfect cheers everyone cheers